don't know if you recognize those candles, but those are called the Advent candles. And a lot of Christians use Advent as a way to remind them of what Christmas is all about. So each candle are lit on a Sunday prior to uh, Christmas. And then on the Christmas day, the fifth one is lit. And so uh, we don't have live candles, but we're gonna use those candles. And uh, today we're gonna just celebrate the goodness of Jesus coming into our world. Amen? I uh, can't even imagine what my life would be like or even what the world would be like without Jesus because Jesus has changed the kind of man I have become and is in the process of changing you. And uh, uh, I think it's a, a miracle even though it happens slowly because uh, I was a stinker and God changed me and changed my heart because of the power of Jesus living in me. So what a great day to celebrate that. Um, let's let's uh, continue on. The first candle that we'll light, and Heather, if you can just go to the next one. The first candle is called the ha candle of prophecy, or also called the candle of hope. It represents the promise of a savior. From the time of the fall of mankind in Genesis and continuing throughout the Old Testament, God had this plan that he was working and with those prophecies came hope. And I'm gonna read out of Isaiah. It says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And when the time was right, God sent his son to earth. Luke records the announcement of this wonderful event. In Luke chapter 1, it says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city, the city of Galilee, in, a, in Galilee, named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came in to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. This very first candle is that candle of hope. Hope an expectation, a longing of a promise to be fulfilled, a belief that it's going to get better, a belief that he will make it better. It's a steadfastness that just keeps us going when it seems like our world is falling apart and falling apart at the seams and doing it very quickly. But a steadfastness that is rooted in hope tells us that there is something in the future that's coming, that God is directing, that God is moving, a greater purpose, a greater redemption of all things. This can't be random. There's something more, and that is always that Christmas brings hope, a hope for a better tomorrow, 
Christmas brings hope because God said he would come and he will come. He will rescue. He will heal. He will restore. He came once and he will come again. And that continues to be our hope for Christmas. And that is Jesus' second coming. That all wrongs will be righted. That the lame will be made to walk. And the dead in Christ will be raised. And there will be no more tears. There will be no more knowing of pain, physical pain. So we wait for the end, which is really not the end, but a new beginning, when all things will be made new. And wrapped up in Christmas is this excitement about the whole earth getting better, because God is moving, causing all things to work together for good. Children are excited for anticipating presents, uh, promised presents, expected presents, uh, hopeful presents, but as adults, we realize that the true meaning of Christmas, the true excitement and the true expectation of Christmas is that one day it's all going to be okay. The world, our world, will be right again. And that's why we, we sometimes sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel, because we're waiting for that redemption. Now the second candle is called the candle of love. It's also sometimes called the candle of Bethlehem because it represents the birth of Jesus. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world would be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. What we love about Christmas is love and that candle represents that the giving of love the receiving of love being with those who love us and being with those whom we love christmas is about gathering with those that are family and friends that are dear and we're connected because you know the verse for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life and jesus came into our world to change our relationships First of all, he changed the vertical one, that we were made holy and righteous before God, even though we were deserving of death. And it happened because of the great love that he sent forth his son. The second relationship that really gets healed is a horizontal relationship, the, res the, the relationship that we have between one another, between families even, because not every family is perfect. Say amen to that. Amen. But you know, because of Christ's love, he has made us brothers and sisters in Christ. And even through our differences, he makes us one. The church is one. We're one family. We're one people of God. And that is so beautiful. And then the other relationship that has changed that God caused at Christmas time because of the great love is the relationship that I have with myself and the relationship that you have with yourself. Some people, and all this may come as a shock, they don't like themselves. 
And because they don't like themselves, they take it out on everybody else. Are you with me on that? And you've heard the terms and the talking points and all that, but when Jesus comes into your life, no longer do we have to prove anything to him because he loves us. Even when we were his enemy, he loved us. He loved us enough to come in and begin to heal our damaged selves. And suddenly, I'm okay. And boy, isn't it a good thing to say, I'm okay. That you don't hate yourself anymore. But first, this has to be made right. And then God makes this right. And then it makes it right in here. And we get become healthy people. Not dysfunctional people, but healthy people. We have healthy coping devices. Why? It all comes back to that Christmas. Because of the love God sent his son that we would be saved even from ourselves. And then that last relationship has changed the external one that we have with the world, with all of creation, our purpose, our job, the you know, our neighborhood, the things that are actually physical in this world. God, the Son, took on humanness so that he can know what it's like to be us, to have problems, to experience our pain, to live in a body that has limitations, to cry, to hunger, to thirst, to be worn out, yes, and to feel excruciating pain. Oh no, Jesus didn't get a pass on the cross. The pain that he felt was real. The thorns in his head were real. The spear in his side, real. The whippings, the floggings, the tearing of his flesh, real. The nailing of his feet onto a cross so that he could breathe. He had to push down on those nails so he could take a breath. He understands pain so he can relate to us. He understands betrayal. He came and he became one of us. But he is the God of love. He is the God of righteousness. He is faithful to his name and to his children. You know, you're adults, right? Say yes. Yeah. You're adults. Christmas isn't about stuff, is it? Or palaces or prestige or power. Although that's what the world celebrates. What'd you get for Christmas, we say as a kid. What'd you get for Christmas? We compare toys with one another. And then suddenly when you're adults, you don't really care to get anything because that's not what Christmas is about. It is about the receiving of this incredible gift of love from God called Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Christmas is about the greatest love, a self-sacrificing love that humbly came into our world in a little village, in a little stable, in that little, little town of Bethlehem. The next candle is called the shepherd candle, or sometimes it is called the candle of joy, and it represents the shepherds and the angels. In Luke chapter 2, it says this, in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Man, wouldn't you pay all the money in the world to be there? Oh, man to be there, to hear the announcement of joy coming into the world. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a feeding trough, lying in a manger. 
And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with great haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. That third candle of joy isn't driven by stuff, but the deep-seated joy that wells up from your soul. And that's what true Christmas brings, a true celebration of Christmas. Even Dr. Seuss got it right, you know? When the Who's lost everything, and the Grinch had all their possessions, all their material wealth, all their food, everything. And he was up on the mountain. He was waiting to hear them boo-hoo-hoo. Even the Who's in Whoville gathered and started to sing. Because we understand that joy doesn't come from our circumstances. It doesn't come from what you can touch. It doesn't come from a car or the newest gadget or the latest cool thing you can wear. Joy comes from the heart because Christ pours his joy into you, regardless of your circumstances. And man, that's a big woohoo. And that is woohoo, right? That joy comes. And the shepherds were the first to hear. The joy of Christmas is actually the joy of Jesus. And we are not alone, no matter the darkest day or the roughest night, the biggest problem. Jesus, the creator of the universe, is with us. He has broke into our time. He broke into our dimension. He broke in to not only give us love, but joy, incredible joy. The one who holds all things together by the power of his word is by your side. Nothing can separate you from his love or presence. Nothing, not divorce, not bankruptcy, not estrangement, not health problems, not money problems, not parenting problems, no school problems, job problems, neighborhood problems, family problems. Nothing can separate you from the joy of being in the presence of Jesus because Jesus has come. Amen. And he is with you and he is with us. He is your strong tower. He is your strength. He is your salvation. He is the one that comforts your fears. He is the one who is the only certain and calm thing in your life. Uh, I gotta laugh because so many times we run to other things to guy, try to find patience or peace or calmness. And Jesus is the only thing that's really calm in your life. He's the one that calms the storm. He's the one that calms the child. And he has come to give us joy. Now the fourth candle it's known as the candle of worship, and it's also called the candle of peace. It is the candle of the Magi. 
Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he? Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we have come. What did the wise men come to do? They came to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him, because he was a he was a wicked, vile king, egotistical, killed many of his own family. And on the day of his death, it was ordered for all the leading people of Jerusalem to be murdered so that the town would be in mourning because no one was going to mourn him. That's how wicked he was. But continuing on, he assembled all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, and he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. Don't you get it that they knew that Jesus was going to be born in Bethlehem, but nobody goes. Nobody goes but the wise men. See, only the wise of this generation accept Christ. The foolish reject truth. But the wise see that, oh, Jesus, I need Jesus. He inquired of them where the Christ was to be born, and they were told, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are no by means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. He's trying to figure out how old the child is. And he sent to them to Bethlehem, say, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word also, so that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. This fourth candle is the Christmas candle of peace. It represents peace and worship that we have when, when we're just in the presence of the Lord. And there's nothing that can touch it. To be in the presence of the Lord and you feel it. And metaphysically, I think you feel it. There's something that comes over us when we're in the presence of the Lord. I know in the Old Testament, when people were in the presence of the Lord, they freaked out and fell down like dead men. But because of Jesus, we don't have to freak out anymore. We can come and enter into his presence each and every day. Sometimes it's a struggle to get there because the world is whispering all sorts of junk to you. Stinking thinking, dysfunction, all the things that you normally do. And then God comes along and breaks through. That's one of the gifts of Christmas is his peace. And that peace comes at least by the Magi. They came with the intent of worship, to be emptied of themselves. Peace that happens right here. Not out there, but in here. 
You've been reconciled with God through Jesus, no longer estranged. You and the Lord are on the same page. You're on the same sheet music. You're on the same team. He's your king. He's your warrior. He's your protector. But you are his servant. You are his salt. You are his light in a world gone bad. You are his salt and light in, in the marriage that you are in. And if not in a marriage, then you are still salt and light to your neighbors, to every person. You carry the fragrance of Christ on you. And sometimes you walk into a place and people don't know why they like you, but they like you because they smell Jesus. And other times you walk in and they can't stand you. They hate you. Why? Because you have the smell of purity and righteousness. You have the fragrance of Christ upon you. He is living in you and changing you and giving you peace. You know who you are. You know where you come from. You know where you're going and you know what your purpose is in life. Jesus answers every one of your deepest questions. If that's not a gift, I don't know what is. And you have two really choices, actually. Maybe we should call them automatic responses, like the Magi. Oh, they bowed down and worshiped. And they gave what was theirs to Jesus. Isn't that the same for us? We just have to worship him. When we get our minds wrapped around all that he's done for us, we just want to love him. We just want to worship him. We just want to serve him. We want to be faithful to him. And as we worship him, our being is filled with this peace, this incredible peace. Not a peace that's connected to circumstances, but a peace that is connected to your relationship. You're good with who you are and where you're going and why his peace fills your heart. The wise men, I mean, I'm sorry, the fifth candle is called the Christ candle. It reminds us that Jesus not only came into this darkness as light of the world on that first Christmas day, but that he is coming again to take us to our new home to be with him forever. I'm so glad God allows us to backslide, but that's not his purpose or plan for your life. But if you've backslidden, what a perfect day to say, I wanna, I wanna renew my relationship with Jesus. I don't wanna keep walking in the sewer. I don't wanna keep walking in, in the dysfunction of my own strength, my own wisdom. I want to know Jesus. And so we celebrate Jesus on Christmas. And our, but we celebrate Jesus every day. You, you know, you're adults, I can tell you this. We don't know when Jesus was born, and I think we know that for, God didn't want us to know that, so that we would actually worship that day, because Jesus' greatest day and greatest victory was on Golgotha. Are you with me on that? Amen. He had to come. And the world celebrates the tiny child because the tiny child isn't talking yet and isn't asking anything of you yet. But Jesus says, if you will follow me, you must pick up your cross and die to self. And so we, as mature adults, understand, oh yeah, that's what we have to do. And then we have the greatest gift of all, that the more we empty ourselves of ourselves, 
the more freedom Jesus has to live in us and the faster transformation happens, the faster the change happens, the faster you become full of fruit, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. You're telling others about the good news of Jesus, not in a coercive way, not in a condemnation way. It is a, hey, you're lost. You're going down the wrong path, but Jesus loves you enough that he sent himself. And so we celebrate. We celebrate Christmas differently from the world. And we don't have to have anything to celebrate Jesus, because you know what? We celebrate Jesus each and every day. He is the light of the world. And so we were going to pass some candles out, but because of the arrangement of everything. We're not going to do that. And I, I'm going to uh, ask, do you think we can serve communion in the dark here? Do you think we can do it? Is there enough light for our ushers to do it? Give me an answer, someone. Think we can? Yes. Okay, let's do it. Ushers, come down and, and uh, we'll take communion so that we can focus on the light of Jesus as the men are getting ready to serve, let me pray. Father, we thank you for this Christmas morn, and it's Christmas morn every day, but it's also Golgotha every day. Every day we celebrate the risen Jesus. Every day we celebrate you. Every day we died a little more to ourselves that you might live more fully. Father, we thank you for this time of communion where we take the bread that represents your life, that you've come to to teach us, to show us, to lead us, to guide us, to do all the things that you can do. And Father, we ask blessing upon the cup, the cup of peace, the cup of love, the cup of a new covenant that says, I will remember your sins no more. And we hold strongly onto the promise that if we confess before you our sins, you are the faithful one to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And every day is a new beginning. Every day we are growing and learning to live through your power and through your strength. So bless this cup as we share in communion on this wonderful day. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.